0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Grocery rebates and coupon clipping not enough to offset the cost of food thanks to inflation. Will affordability play a role in how you vote in the provincial election? This morning we talked about food prices and their effect on voters with Sylvain Charleroi, professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Mental Health Week continues and again today we're getting some guidance from social worker and mental health advocate Karen Gallagher-Burt. We asked Karen to help us determine when we might need some personal mental health help and how to go about getting it. And the month of May is all about the Alberta provincial election. It's important to keep an eye on your corporate and personal social media accounts to make sure you are sending the appropriate messaging. When it comes to businesses, how do you deal with a divisive topic like an election? We get expert advice from Ellen Parker, CEO of Parker PR. Grocery rebates and coupon clipping just are not enough to offset the cost of food and inflation these days. Will affordability play a role in how you vote in the provincial election? This morning, we're looking at food prices with Sylvain Charlebois, professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Good morning, Professor. Thanks for joining us once again. Good morning. Appreciate it. We're seeing inflation start to slow, but as you are experiencing it, does it look like food prices are following suit?
1: Uh, actually, you know, things are looking better uh, than just a few months ago. Uh, if you look at uh, some of the data coming out of Statscan, I mean, the, some some of that data still may be scary for some, but uh, they're certainly reassuring uh, to me because uh, on a month-to-month basis, uh, there's less pressure in the system. Although uh, we are expecting uh, food prices to continue to rise but at a much slower pace and so my guess is that uh, the gap between food inflation and uh, and the general inflation rate will will continue to narrow
0: so we're not seeing prices go down at this point
1: I don't think we'll actually see food prices go down ever. Okay. Uh, that, that's the new reality. I do get that question quite a bit, and uh, I'm not sure people actually appreciate what what, the, what is actually going on around the world. I mean, Canada still has one of the lowest food inflation rates in the world. In, in Europe, they're dealing with inflation rates, uh, food inflation rates of 20%. Uh, it's pretty bad out there. Why? Because uh, there's lots of uh, of issues uh, in terms of climate uh, Argentina is hit by a drought. The U.S. is currently w- hit by a drought, which is why beef prices are likely going to go up later this year. But most importantly, uh, the big two ag giants of the world, China and the U.S., are, are going at each other. And, and uh, when you're seeing what's happening with commodity prices, it's it's not necessarily reassuring. There's lots of lots of uncertainty out there.
0: How is the federal government approaching food inflation? We we got these so-called grocery rebates, but is that really having any kind of an impact for consumers?
1: Well, the grocery rebate is like clapping with one hand. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to accomplish much. Uh, it's just going to help a few people with cash, but it's not going to fix the problem. Uh, I think the fundamental problem we have in Canada is uh, is that we do have a few companies controlling many verticals and since we're, we are in Calgary, uh, we can talk about uh, the beef sector. The beef sector is controlled by just a couple of packers. That's a problem. Uh, and, of course, a lot of people point fingers at grocers. I don't know to what extent grocers are responsible for food inflation, generally speaking, because they actually make their money selling prescription drugs and, uh, and clothing and, and cosmetics. Uh, people have to look at, at, at financial statements. They'll see that uh, it's not with food that Loblaw's is making money and so uh, so but but uh, however these companies do have a lot of power and and do suffocate processors and and I know that I'm in Alberta right now I'm in Calgary right now i'm I'm, I'm meeting nine uh, AG startups today at the University of Calgary and these companies uh, will, will need uh, a shot at the market. But if you have bullies uh, close to retail uh, preventing some new startups to have access to consumers, that's a problem. That's certainly something that the federal government can, uh, can address. Okay,
0: so the feds might be able to work on that. Can the provincial government do something then? As If you're here in Calgary, let's talk about Alberta. You talked about the beef industry. What could the provincial government do, whether it's the current one we have or perhaps a new one, to address food prices and affordability and allowing more competition?
1: Well, I have to tell you, when I, whenever I come to the University of Calgary and, uh, and the Creative Destruction Lab, which is where I am, I'm a scientific mentor or startups here i i'm i'm pumped because i see a lot of companies uh looking at calgary alberta as a good place to invest in in agritech um, you know for forever I, I think the alberta economy was relying on oil and gas and and fascinated with oil and gas but now more and more people are starting to think beyond oil and gas and and they do see ag the ag sector the agri-food sector as a as a potent place to invest uh just a just one case last year we were mentoring a company out of hong kong they designed this beautiful packaging uh for food you can actually package meat uh, at room temperature for up to two years uh that company out of hong kong has now moved to edmonton Mm. so you can tell the CDL and some of the things that are going on right now in the province are really attracting more companies, more investors as well, wow. and that's really what the province needs to do.
0: You know, we've heard the term uh, like a grocery code of conduct before. What does that exactly mean? And, and are you in favor of something like that?
1: I am absolutely. So a few minutes ago, we talked about supply chain bullying and how much power Loblaw uh, and SoBe's uh, have right now. Well, that. A code of conduct would prevent uh, supply chain bullying from happening. It would actually discipline the supply chain. It will allow processors that are uh, that are being abused, I guess, uh, to go. They would have a safe place to go to uh, to resolve any disputes with law, blah. Uh, Empire and Metro as well, and even Walmart. So I, I'm very favourable to the uh, with the Code of Conduct. I think it's needed, uh, but more work needs to be done. If it's not mandatory, I'm not sure Walmart would be willing to pay a fine. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at right now.
0: Let's talk uh, about shrinkflation. Now we've talked about it with you before, but is, <laughs> is the term shrinkflation yeah. sort of being sensationalized, or does it truly
1: exist? No, well, it exists, absolutely. It's been existing for... I think the first case I know of of inflation uh, goes back to the 1980s. This is not new stuff. It's been happening for a long time. The reason why we're talking more about it is because... Uh, we're now more price sensitive due to inflation. Uh, It is a strategy. Uh, Packaging are getting smaller, but they're charging the same price. Uh, It really annoys a lot of people, but it is a strategy. It's not fraud, it's not illegal. My my only concern with inflation, I have two concerns. One, uh, I'm not sure that This Is Canada actually uh, measures the impact of inflation on food inflation. They say they do, but we see no evidence of that. Two, sometimes when a product is shrink-flated so much, it becomes a snack, according mm. to the CRA. Now, they're back at work today. Now, the CRA will look at a product differently if it shrinks too much. So, for example, if you buy a container of ice cream under 500 milliliters, it goes from a food to a snack, and snacks, guess what? Taxable. Are taxable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's the big problem. So you go to the grocery store, you may actually buy some food thinking that you're actually buying untaxable food, but you're actually getting taxed.
0: Wow. Okay, one last question before we let you go. Um, Some say we should be looking at more plant-based alternatives. Uh, How do they compare in price? Would they be cost-effective?
1: Not yet. We're not there yet. Uh, They're still more expensive, but we're getting close. Uh, so in dairy, dairy alternatives are, I mean, it, we're at parity right now, pretty much. So if you're into oat milk, if you put the oat milk into your coffee, uh, you'll notice that prices have dropped in Italy. At the meat counter, it's a different story. But I, my, 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 I, again, I'm, I'm working with some startups here in, in Calgary, and, and some of them are actually in that space. And they're looking at better ways to... Offer something different that is uh, more environmentally friendly, more, more environmentally friendly, more nutritious uh, for consumers. Because uh, right now, what we're seeing is overpriced plant-based products that is ultra-processed and not very natural, mm-hmm. and that's what that's not what consumers want. Especially if they love beef, and a lot of a lot of consumers do like beef.
0: Here, here to that. Uh, thank you so much for your time <laughs> this morning. Appreciate it, Sylvain.
1: Uh, All right, take care. Thank you.
0: Sylvain Charlebois, professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Mental health week continues. Social worker and mental health advocate, Karen Gallagher-Burt, is back with us this morning. Good morning to you, first off. Good morning. Thank you for being in live with us again today. Today, I know that, you know, we've kind of chatted about which things we should talk about. There are so, so many that we could focus on. But today, we want to talk about when you know you need mental health support, or maybe you don't know you need it, what
2: are some, kind
0: of some of the signs and symptoms yeah. of when we really should start asking for help? So, for me,
3: the number one thing is changes in behavior. So that's where it can go either way. If you, we talked yesterday a little bit about you know eating too much, not eating, mm-hmm. sleeping too much, not sleeping. When you notice some significant changes in your behavior or how you feel. Because what tends to happen is you as the individual, it's the feel that changes. The behaviors are what your friends and family notice, that behaviors switch. So when you start to see a couple of those things come in, it's always worth doing a check-in with your doctor. Just say, hey, this is going, this is going on. Mm -hmm. I just thought I'd come in and ask some questions. Because as you say, you might not see some of the things that other people see. But so it's really
0: kind of coming to terms and really being in touch with yourself then,
3: correct? It's being in touch with yourself and being, ha- having open conversations with those you trust close enough. Um, it's interesting. My, my partner and I both struggle with depression, as does our, our daughter has struggled with depression and anxiety. Only our son has sort of missed the, the numbers on that one. But we all have the same family doctor. So one of the things we've done is we've actually written a consent that our doctor is allowed to share information with all of us Around mental health not the physical stuff right but we've said on the mental health side because we all know that we don't necessarily observe it and Mm -hmm. the last time I was diagnosed was because my daughter told the doctor and when I went in to see her I'm like no I'm fine I'm fine and the doctor said well Shannon described XYZ and I burst into tears and I realized that if they noticed it then I had to pay attention
0: that is, I like that idea a lot, and it's just around that. Just mental not, health, you know. You're a family, so you you are the ones who are going yeah. to see each other. Your behaviors, the way you're
3: acting, the yeah. things you're saying, more than anyone else. Exactly. In the world. And my kids are adults, so it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like they're teens at home where I'm putting that responsibility on them. It's something we've chosen to do as a family. Is we pay attention to that, we have an ability to call each other on it. But sometimes a little comment to the doctor makes it a little different.
0: That's fair, I think. So, you know, if you do, if you feel differently yourself then. So if somebody comes to you, first of all, that's one thing. But if you start to feel something is going on within you, first step, what is it?
3: You know, I always think first step is doctor. Mm -hmm. And whether you believe in, you know, holistic medicine, I think there's always room for every kind of avenue. Start with a physical doctor to just check and see because lots of times, Physical things will manifest and will present with some things that are more mental health and vice versa. Um, Depression comes with pain, like physical pain. Um, So these things are not isolated. So you may be complaining of, you know, an achy back and achy hips and for sure you're sitting too much. However, there might be more to it. Mm -hmm. it. So it's always, again, go back to the language I used yesterday. I can't wait to the day we talk about health. We don't separate mental and physical because they are so intertwined. Mental health is a huge component is is hormones is um the enzymes we release everything that we have around that that's a big part of it
0: do you think having things like mental health week is it is it helpful is it is it helping us have the conversation more as you and i and
3: andy yeah. are doing and, and hopefully people who are listening to us chat can, maybe having the conversation yeah. at home i can only think it helps um i think the next stage of this is being able to talk openly about suicide
0: and it sure seems to be a, a, a greater phenomenon than we've ever experienced before in the world. You know,
3: I think we're paying attention to the numbers. So it's interesting. In Alberta, the numbers are always released from the medical examiners late, so a few years later. And the numbers in Alberta for confirmed suicides have stayed between 350 and 400 consistently. Per year? Per year. Wow. In Alberta. Um, and that's the ones that are confirmed. And you've got to remember that still the stigma is attached. So if they can put it down to an overdose or something accidental... That tends to be where they go. Wow, um, that's a very high number. It's a high number. How do we? Do you know how we rate compared to other provinces? Um, we're near the top few. Um, really? We certainly have more incidents in our province. We tend to have more problems with substance use in our province. Um, domestic violence tends to be a bit yes. higher, yep. um, and those two kind of correlate because mm-hmm. often substances are all involved. Um, so I think you know we're, we're, we have a culture of you know drinking and a culture. Uh, around a bit partying especially you look at our stampede Stampede I love stampede but by the same token it is you know difficult for a lot of folks yeah Um, but the suicide part is just it's asking questions and asking uh, saying the word I know talking to other folks in media you folks have been trained not to talk about it Mm -hmm. and that's not helpful Mm -hmm. it's true it's not helpful
0: it's true well keep the lines of communication open thank you again for joining us we'll continue the conversation tomorrow Karen gallagher burt social worker mental health advocate thanks for joining us May, I guess we could call it election month for provincial politics, and a good reminder to keep an eye on your corporate and personal social media accounts when it comes to an election. Ellen Parker, CEO of Parker PR, is back with us this morning to talk about some tips and tricks to engage appropriately on social media accounts during times like this. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so why is it so important to talk about our, our social media when it comes to an election?
2: Yeah, great, great question. So the main accounts we need to be mindful of, the platforms that allow for the most opportunity for dialogue and opinion sharing are Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and even TikTok. So these are the platforms that can, you know, actually get a little bit out of control and toxic if we're not mindful and monitoring and, you know, have a plan for them. And often I I say saying nothing can be very effective. Yeah, at because, time.
0: It, it, I mean, really, should there be a mix of business and politics? Because I feel like not.
2: Totally. I, I would say you should stick to your business goals when you are on social media and in the social media arena. arena we don't want to alienate anybody. So what I'm going to say is tell the folks in your business who are in charge of your social account to you know, keep an arm's length from the corporate account if they want to be personal on their own accounts. Many people want to be personal on their own accounts. And you know our employees have the right to express their own thoughts and opinions and should be encouraged to do this. But I would say don't have them tag your business or hashtag your business name. Encourage them to be separate if they have a different message from your business. So that's really important. And I also think it's important as a business owner right now to ensure that your teams really understand that when they're running the company business and they're, they're adding value to the company business accounts, they can't say their own opinions. It can be very tempting. However, small comments can have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So just like the text messages we send each other, messages on social media don't always convey what we're trying to get across. Okay, some
0: tips then. When you are posting on social media as a business, whether it's you or your team members, what do you consider?
2: Yeah, exactly. So number one, back to the original comment you made, Sue, don't get too political and be respectful. Well, it's important to be aware of the issues that are going on and engage with our audiences Let's not be divisive. Remember, your primary goal as a business leader and a thought leader in the community is to promote your business, your personal brand in a positive way. And we know that political campaigns are divisive. So be respectful and professional in the social media arena. Avoid personal attacks. I know this seems like a no-brainer but avoid name calling, avoid behavior that is going to be disrespectful and inappropriate. And if someone is being disrespectful or inappropriate to you, I would just ignore, completely ignore. I would say the next point is stay true to your values and your business goals. The most important thing is to promote what you are offering, your products, your services, the lifestyle and the culture you endorse and the values that you endorse. And then the the fourth point here is really important. Be very mindful when you're sharing other people's content. During political campaigns, we see articles in the Herald, op-eds, photos. Sometimes there's actually potential biases or agendas behind this content. So just be really mindful what you are sharing from other people on social media because we want to avoid having controversial and polarizing content that will alienate your audience. And then the last point is monitor your social media and monitor the mentions that may happen on other accounts. Other accounts can mention your business. So just be kind of on the ball monitoring this during this time. Make sure that you're um, monitoring your own feed as well as, like I mentioned, what other people are saying about you
0: funny I was writing it down as as you were saying it is easy to alienate people who could become your customer and exactly. and you know a quick comment anything like that that really is out of the realm of what you do can turn turn off a whole lot of people and it's not worth it is it
2: it is absolutely not worth it it's an emotional time so you know to summarize like avoid the controversial subjects that alienate your followers It's not worth it. Positivity can take you such a long way, Mm -hmm. especially now. And ultimately, it's important to maintain our integrity as business leaders and influential leaders. So do not compromise your values or your principles for the sake of emotion, having the last word, proving a point, being right. Instead, I I think let's focus on building long-term relationships with audiences based on trust and the brand's reliability. Because to your point, you know we're a community we run into each other at the farmers market we care about each other we all have a world behind us that we don't you know each of us don't know about so we don't know what our personal interests in politics may be for specific reasons so just stay true to your business goals ultimately
0: remember good old, the good old good old days <laughs> ellen where we kept politics and religion etc out of our everyday conversation we should probably think about that when
2: we're posting on social media right Definitely while we're posting on social media. It's just, it's an unknown territory. It's like you said, we can alienate people. Um, We don't want to put ourselves in a position where we have to start defending ourselves because that's going to distract from what we're supposed to be doing. Um, You know, bringing good news, bringing good products, bringing good services into the community. So let's continue to do that. And especially during this time, it's a hot month you know, the May month, the hot month right now. So stay neutral. Stay, stay neutral. calm.
0: Yeah, maybe, you know, you get some new business out of it by avoiding uh, the, the, the hot issues that are out there, right?
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And people at this time, more than ever, business people and people in the community, need to understand that they can still, there's still positive things happening and the businesses are doing great work mm-hmm. in the community and there's so many good news stories to share So let's put our energy into sharing those good news stories, those good product stories, the things that, you know, keep us excited and motivated. That's the purpose of social media. Love it. Thank you, Ellen. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Sue. You too. Talk soon. Ellen
0: Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. You can go online at parkerpr.ca.